smart. Enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everyone and welcome to today's podcast episode. My name is Jodie Greer and I am the founder of Be People Smart. And with me today to bust more myths, I have the lovely Divine Gift Usman, who I will ask to introduce himself. Divine Gift, over to you, please. All right. Hi, Jody. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Divine Gift David Usman. I'm a Nigerian from the northern part of Nigeria, Kaduna State, and I'm visually impaired. Thank you very much. And it's going to be a great one today because two things. One, we're busting some myths, and I'll tell you about those in a second. But also for me personally, um, I've been connected with Divine Gift now for a number of months. And I'm sure you don't mind me sharing Divine Gift that um, I've been coaching you through your journey. And I've, you know, it's been really, it's been good for me as well. I mean, I've learned a lot, but I think uh, I've seen you, yeah, really kind of your confidence is just amazing over the last few months. Thank you very much. It's simply because I saw your confidence and your your boldness to confront accessibility issues. So I think I got that that's that's impartation from you, basically. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I'd love to take the credit, but I think a lot of it's just released what was already there. But yeah, <laughs> it's great stuff. So today, the myths that Divine Gift and I are busting are one that assistive technology isn't available in Africa. So we can talk about uh, Divine Gifts experiences. But also another um, myth we're going to be busting is that accessibility can't happen without legislation. So that's going to be a really interesting one and something I'm passionate about as well. Um, Before we go into those, though, I'd like to share a bit more with you all about Divine Gift um, and about, you know, his experiences and his achievements so far. So first of all, this is this is actually back to the myth um, Divine Gift. But I just want to ask. How did you find assistive technology and how easy was it for you to actually obtain it? Oh, well, um, the story is quite lengthy, but of course I was shorting it. So it started um, when I was in, my whole eye challenge started when I was nine. That was about 2003, all right? And I was in secondary school and I couldn't see the board. I couldn't see my textbooks, my notebooks. I had classmates that would... Um, take my notes home and write in very bold text, you know, and bring it back the next day. And still, I wouldn't see it. So, and how I was reading that time was people would just get my notes and read it out to me, you know. So that was how I was reading. And when it was time for exams, the teachers would assign someone to come sit with me. And based on what I heard from those that read to me, I would like suggest to the person reading to me, and then he would write down the answer. So. But that was not an effective technique because um, what if I wanted to read in the night? You know, I, I was, some people would always tell me that, oh, I'm tired. I can't come read for you. How about, you know, so it was not really effective. And I did not know anything about assistive technology. In fact, that time I thought I was the only Nigerian that was visually impaired, <laughs> you know. So but throughout the secondary school, um, junior secondary school, that was how it was. Then senior secondary school, I got introduced to um, I it just came to me intuitively I was like how about people record my notes for me into my phone so that I can have access to them myself and I can play my notes at any time you know so that was what I used and when when that was the the technology in quotes I adopted um came about I started performing in class you know because right now I can read notes 
like if I can play a particular record like 50 times, you understand. So my performance really boosted. I even became fifth in the class. And I was the only visually impaired person in the whole school. So you can imagine out of like 30 students, I became fifth from, from taking the last position, you know. So um, that was what happened. But after school, when I got to the university, I, I have studied computer science, you know, but I was hoping, I was asking, isn't there a technology or something that could help visually impaired persons? And people kept saying they don't know, they don't know any, they don't know any. And I went to a federal university of technology in my country, all right, and they didn't know any technology for visually impaired people. You can imagine. It was around my fourth year that one man came, I think came from one other part of Africa. He said, there's a, there's a software, there are softwares for blind people because he lectures in a school where um, there's, there was only like one blind person in the university. And that person is literally the, the overall best student in the whole school for his set because he has some technology. So I was like, wow. So that, that I just kept at one part of my mind, you know, and then I graduated from school without any technology. I didn't even know that the screen could be magnified, literally. That was how ignorant I was. So long story cut short, um, I, I went to, to do like an internship where they said, oh, you are visually impaired in a hospital. You are visually impaired and um, you study computer science. That means you should be able to have some assistive technology for the blind patients that we have here. So I was like, what is assistive technology? I don't even know what that term is, you know? So, but uh, because I, I now went back home and I told my friend, please, can we just Google what assistive technology is? So that was where the, the, the information came and I saw some apps Then I took it because I was, my job was just to recommend apps to patients in the hospital. So that was what I kept doing for one year, you know, whether or not they needed the apps, the young ones, the old ones, I, those are the old, I had like two apps. That was all I was showing them, you know, but after that internship, it stayed in me a passion to look for other technologies. And coincidentally, I bumped into a, a woman whose husband has been training blind people for the past 25 years in this country in the use of assistive technology. And she asked if I can come over to their place and they could train me too, you know? So I was so excited and I went over there and for two weeks, nine to six every day, they kept exposing me to different assistive technologies, software screen readers, magnifiers, braille, you know, that's when I knew that a blind person can type. That's when I knew that a blind person can browse the internet, can work on Microsoft Word and all of that. So after that happened, and I returned back to my locality and I said, no, blind people don't have to suffer in ignorance. There's actually technology that we can make use of, you know, so that's when I came back home. Excellent. And I started looking for blind persons, you know, and seeing how I could train them, you know, basically. And so what assistive technology do you personally benefit from? Oh, screen readers, basically screen readers and screen magnifier, because I'm actually low vision. I'm only blind in one eye. The other eye is partially sighted. So what screen reader do you use? Um, JAWS and NVDA. You use both basically. of them? Yeah, basically they introduced JAWS to me, but I use NVDA because of how expensive JAWS is. So that was partly why I was asking, because we, a lot of people, especially if we're talking like in the kind of business world, talk about mm. JAWS. But of course, JAWS is, you know, it's a costly license. And as much as it's, it's a very valuable tool, I think often within that world, um, we miss NVDA, which is actually a free tool. So it's there for everyone. Yes, yes. Is there for everyone and it's very good. In fact, it's very good that I know many people in this country that have, that's what they use and they have achieved many things. So one thing is with you using both, because I know the shortcuts are different on them. How do you, how do you kind of remember 
uh, which you're using and what you know how do you navigate around in fact as I said, I was only introduced to JAWS and I made use of it that time that I was there. I think because they had the license, so they just introduced me to it and made me feel how it looks. But they now gave me NVDA to use. So I've basically been using NVDA. And apparently, as you said, their shortcuts are actually very similar. Uh-huh. It's just the community. Yes, it's very, very similar. You know, like H is to navigate to headings, you know, B is to jump to buttons, you know, basically. But maybe the languages are different. So maybe when you arrive at a web page, what JAWS says at first is not what NVDA says at first, even if NVDA would eventually say it. Do you understand? So that's basically the difference. Okay, that's interesting. But it's still great to know that can happen. Yes. And I mean, you're, you kind of jump so quickly into, you know, building your own knowledge bank and understanding how you can help other people. But then you went on to actually achieve a certification, didn't you? Yes, I did. The um, CPACC issued by IAAP, yes. So for anyone who doesn't know, the CPAC or the CPACC is the core principles of accessibility, core competencies. Yeah, um, certified um, professional in accessibility core competencies. Do you know, I always get that wrong. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Certified professional for accessibility core competencies. I won't edit that out. We all make errors. Um, <laughs> the IAAP is the International Association of Accessibility Professionals. Yes. So, you know, it's a very recognised um, certification in the industry and it's quite sought after. So how did you go from, didn't even know there was assistive technology to obviously learning and starting to help people to get in your CPAC? Okay, how it started was um, since I went for that training, um, and actually, the person that trained me, his name is Mr. Ope Olu Akiola. All right, so he trained me um, in the use of assistive technology, but we kept in touch, of course. He kept supervising. I kept asking questions. We continued classes over the phone, you know, and all of that. Um, so he, I think he now shared a link with me that there was an organization, the IAP, um, started a, an academy, DARE Academy, D A R E. All right, and they're looking for those that are involved in assistive technology and accessibility, digital accessibility, basically. And they were trying to offer scholarship to people all over the world because they realized that some people, um, some Nick, some they don't have um, certified professionals in some countries, and others cannot afford it. You know, so they decided to make it free scholarship. You know, that will cover for you to be a member of IAAP for one year for free. And then we'll give you an opportunity, a token to write the CPAC exam, you know. So if you fail after that, you have to pay for it. So that was how it happened. The first circle, they picked 20 people, you know, out of 500 and something. I was not in. There were only two Nigerians. That's my boss that connected me. And then one other person. Then second circle was now myself and then the, the black, um, leader for the blind youth in Nigeria. So basically, there are 40 people all over the world and then four Nigerians, all right? So we, we had the opportunity to write the CPAC exam. And I think I, I got enrolled December last year, yes, 2021, all right? So we had like one year to write the exam because there were different windows. Now, I now said, okay, um, let me just try out this course. And I started in January. Literally, I spent two weeks reading and, reading and preparing for CPAC because when I started reading, the experience was so beautiful. The platform, it was easy to, easy to navigate. The knowledge was so rich. It was quality knowledge I was getting. I was so excited. I would literally wake up in the morning, have my bath, run to my computer and just keep reading. So that in two weeks, I finished the CPAC um, prep um, course and then I registered for the exam February. 
And when I registered for that, I think after one month, they now sent to me that, hey, you passed the CPAC. And the cutoff is very high. I think 80% over 100 you know, is the cutoff, all right? So, and they said, I passed the, the exam and I'm the first Nigerian to have that certificate out of 2,572 people all over the world. So that definitely deserves a round of applause. So congratulations again. And I know we've spoken <laughs> about this before, much. but of course our listeners, a lot of them are hearing it for the first time. Um, and also just if anyone is working towards their CPAC, I can assure you two weeks is extremely <laughs> ambitious so don't expect to achieve that timeline um yeah that's just that's dedication that is um but that's great stuff i mean yeah absolutely you, and Judy. i'm you. a member of the iaap too so i see a lot of the chatter that goes on so yeah definitely a great thing and thank so you, you get your certification you and i obviously started working together um doing the coaching and then you also start telling me how you're getting into do a presentation for a school. Um, yes. T- tell our listeners about it. Oh, okay. So I, I went to a school to tell them that, okay, I wanted to um, come and like present something to them, you know, and that didn't work out because they were not interested physically. So what happened was I only got an opportunity to host like a webinar online for different teachers from different schools just to communicate to them the need for accessibility you understand but in fact the, the every other school they, they were not interested in hearing about it i think i remember one that i went to she said oh she wants to even open a special education like educational need aspect you know or make room for special needs in her school but when i was ready she now said oh she's not interested anymore and i'm like how do you fluctuate with with this kind of vision, you know? So basically, so after that, I just removed my mind and I said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to like, just keep learning, keep growing, keep making the relevant contacts, you know, with different people and then build my lot. Then maybe I will have more knowledge to communicate it. Maybe one day I'll get the opportunity to have a platform to communicate the need for it. And then I could be better, but I've not given up on the dream basically. Yeah. And to be fair, I think, You've already achieved a lot there because trying to get into schools in the UK is really tough. And so I think people... In the UK? Yeah, it's so difficult to get into schools. And our schools do not touch disability inclusion and accessibility. We have schools that are specifically dedicated to what they call special educational needs. And anyone who knows me knows I hate the special in educational yes. needs. Um, but we do have schools dedicated to students who are SEN students. And of course, we have SENCO. So we have, you know, special educational needs um, teachers in schools. But for the actual curriculum, for all students, we don't have any focus on what disability inclusion looks like, what those behaviours are like. Um, the impact on people and certainly not an accessibility which is actually a core skill and so it doesn't start until the workplace for the absolute majority and I'd love to change it so the fact that you're getting more uh, traction in Nigeria you'll be teaching me (laughs) (laughs) okay let's see how that goes Judy (laughs) of course I'm sure I'll learn from you instead (laughs) well we'll see about that Um, (laughs) but now I mean you just seem to be sort of full of energy for this space and you you and I have spoken about this before it can be sometimes 
so disheartening when you feel that organisations just don't comprehend the value behind disability inclusion and behind accessibility. But we keep going. Yes. What do you you want to do now? Like, what are your career goals? Hmm. Now, basically, I, I, first of all, I want to start by learning everything I want to learn that I know one day I would love to teach others, you know, other visually impaired people. All right. So um, my major goal in life in this space is to later have, first of all, have like a computer lab where visually impaired persons can come and get trained, like an organization, an NGO, similar to what um, Irene, I don't know if you know Irene in Kenya, in Able, what she's doing, all right? So similar, she has like computer labs where they just train blind persons, you know, in thousands, you know? So I want to have a lab like that because for us here, um, in fact, computer literacy is not, um, is not everywhere, all right? Talk. Well, you can imagine how it is for persons that are um, with disabilities. All right, so I want to have like computer lab and then by virtue of our consistency, I'm hoping that we'll have a very good portfolio that will even give us the opportunity to influence policies for that will be in favor of persons with disabilities, especially in terms of job employment. All right, because really employment in this country is difficult even for those that are without disabilities. Like, do you know that, Jody, that literally the people buy their job roles in this country? What I mean by that is, okay, you want you see a job um, opportunity, they say they want a finance assistant, but they can give it to job if you can pay $800. Oh. Literally, literally, yes, yes. So that's what happens with persons without disabilities in some places in this country, or most places even. All right, but so you can imagine what, who, what, <laughs> how it is for persons without this, uh, sorry, with disabilities that don't have money to even take care of themselves. All right, so that's why my goal is to make sure that I have like a computer lab, train these guys very well, such that their, their value cannot be ignored by society. All right, so that's one of my core goals. Then later we can get to influence policies, and then lastly, I'm hoping to have an organization that could do something similar to what Be People Smart is doing in the UK, just to help organizations to attain. Um, like accessibility all right literally that's I really have that in mind you know and people are already reaching out to me on the strength of CPACC okay hey we want to do a program how can it be more accessible and all of that so uh, that's basically my goal my goal and I think that's absolutely wonderful and it also comes back to our myth so I said earlier that the myth was accessibility can't happen if there's no legislation and to my knowledge I know when we last spoke about legislation divine gift there wasn't any for in Nigeria. Yes, yes. So it, it shows that people are what make the big difference because, you know, with people like you being present in country and taking steps to create a more accessible society and a more accessible education, that, that's going to make a world of difference far more in reality than a piece of legislation on a website. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, Jodie. Hopefully. I mean, I really believe that because even in the UK, you know, we have the Equality Act. In the US, they've had the American Disability um, Act for years and years. And the, 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 the reality is you can, it can be quite subjective and you can tick boxes to be legally compliant. 
But if you actually want to be human centric and you want to provide people with an equitable experience, it takes real intent. And I think your intent's going to make a world of difference in Nigeria. Yes, that's that's the hope, actually, because and I believe what you're saying. Do you know that? I think it was like last week or last sorry, last month that I realized that, oh, there's actually a law that covers persons with disabilities in Nigeria and it has been there. All right. So I'm like, oh, I didn't even know there was a law when I started looking for people to train. <laughs> Do you understand? And I feel that that's a posture of hearts that if people can have, all right, they don't even need a policy. It's human. See, accessibility is not, is not, um, it's natural, basically. It's, let, me, let me just paint a picture. It's as natural as this. Okay, you are building a hospital. You want to build a hospital where sick people can come in, you know, and be treated, especially urgent cases. And then you build, uh, make it, like build a hospital and you don't have doors. Do you have to wait for the government to bring a law that, okay, every building must have doors before you do that? No, if you have a heart for the people, you don't need to check whether they are laws. You, you create everything possible to make sure that they can have access to your services. Do you understand? So, but we can never come to that place if we are not um, people-centric, all right? And, and I heard your, your podcast, and we even you and I have spoken about it the, like the first time we spoke, and how it is in the US, sadly, and Deborah Ruth, your friend, <laughs> reiterated it some podcast um, ago, and she said that in the US, if people only respond when, they, when, they, when, when it has to do with them being sued, do you understand? And I'm like, hey, do you have to, uh, um, do you have to um, be punished or see consequences before you actually adopt accessibility? And I was speaking to my wife and I said, see, I don't like what they're doing in the US. Why, why do people have to, why must they like put, wait for legislations first before they uh, adopt accessibility? And she was like, it's better that at least they, are, they, are, they do it because of uh, fear, all right? At least they do the accessibility than for them not to do it at all. And I said, no, what if a new government comes and removes the need for accessibility and says, okay, hey, everyone, there's no punishment if you don't have, if you're not accessible in your companies. That's how, how will it be in that time? Do you understand? You don't have to wait for policies. It's natural, it's human. It's being human, literally, all right? So... Um, that's what we, um, that's what has been my drive here in Nigeria. I've not checked whether there are laws. I'm just, I just see the need for people and I just see how I can meet them. And I love the answer you gave when in your last podcast, when you were answering people's questions, you said, they asked you, why do you love, um, why do you have a heart for this space? And you're like, it's because you're human, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, that's literally, the answer. that's a, was so powerful. I'm like, exactly. It's so it's inhumane not to think accessibility <laughs> physically. And it really is. And the reality is, and you see this a lot from anyone in the accessibility space, they'll often make this statement, but accessibility isn't just about people with disabilities anyway. Not that exactly. That it benefits everyone. Yeah. Yes. Not that that shouldn't be case enough. You know, when you're talking one in five people as a massive demographic, but it really does benefit everyone. You know, you talked about doors, um, literally opening doors, but like if you've got a ramp, whether you've got luggage, if you've got a pushchair for a baby, if you're yes. a wheelchair user, yes. if, if you're yes. just... Exactly. You've got a sore leg that day because you knocked it yesterday. That ramp serves a purpose for so yes. many people, um, but often people identify it purely from a disability base. And actually, it's very rarely that's the case. Even with assistive technology... Mm. There are lots of people who will use a screen reader, reader of sorts, often the built-in narrator, if they don't need it constantly, just because it eases the tension of constantly looking at a screen. They can listen to what they needed to read, and it mixes up their exactly. day. 
it, it serves so many purposes and I think that's often disregarded and yeah we will boost that point <laughs> yes 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 truly hopefully I pray that happens you, you just know, mentioned it's... someone important in your life as well so I just want to <laughs> raise the point that you just had a big life experience as well didn't you yes <laughs> uh literally today is our one month anniversary if that matters <laughs> of course it matters <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 so today is our one month anniversary um, i got married last month 22nd um october you know and it's been beautiful honestly it's 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 different it's different it's so different you know it's so different and if anyone's curious, we will talk about contact, but you can actually see pictures of the wedding on LinkedIn and it is worth <laughs> looking at, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, sure, you can. So here's a question for you because I asked this of all of my guest speakers. If I gave you a magic wand, so it's magic, and <laughs> Harry Potter style, you can wave that wand and change something to make the world more inclusive. Oh, wow. What are you going to change? Ah, uh, Jody, um, the heart of people. <laughs> oh, I like that. The heart of people, literally. Since it's a magic, yes, right? The hearts of men. Do you know why I said that? Because Albert Einstein said something. He said, it's easier to denature plutonium than to denature the evil in men's heart. All right. And, and that's how difficult it is because um, it's because of the evil in the hearts of people or the selfishness. Let me not make it to the selfishness. All right. Of people. All right. That's why they don't care for others. It's either you're selfish or you're selfless. All right. And I just wish that people's hearts will be changed and they will realize that, see, um, love is meant to be a culture, not a duty. Meeting others people's needs is meant to be a culture. Well, yeah. as long as it lies in your power, just, just do it. How would you like it if your child, all right, was the one? Because you care, you don't care about people, all right? What if your child now, now you give it to a person with disability, all right? And then he's now having struggles. You see the whole world changes. Now you are, all of a sudden you are concerned about accessibility. Do you see that? So if we can shift from being self-centered to being people-centric, accessibility will attain it. We would be able to achieve accessibility in every sphere of our lives. Do you know, I actually really like that answer and I want to be able to give you a magic wand, but unfortunately I don't really have one. Um, <laughs> something uh, that makes me think of actually, a lot of what I talk to about to people and when I'm coaching other people, so I might have also said this to you, um, is it's interesting because when I'm looking to influence, particularly senior leaders, you know, so when you're trying to influence change within an organisation, is a reason that I basically target both hearts and minds because some people just care about people and want people to have a positive experience. And some people aren't so bothered. Mm. That's the reality of life. And some people want to know what's it going to cost mm. and actually is it going to benefit my business? And so you can also demonstrate the actual value as well. So I, I always play on both. Yeah. But the other thing that's made mm. me think about is I did a very recent post on LinkedIn and it was from a conversation I had with a task force I'm on and an older gentleman who obviously has lived through lots of different accessibility um, innovations in his life. He basically said when we were talking about how poor the accessibility is in the UK for travel, he said that he has seen so much improvement, including some stations even have lifts in them, that we should all be grateful for what we're given. 
And as much as I appreciated where he was coming from, and there was something almost humble in that, it actually really bothered me that disabled people should feel grateful. Mm, Yes, for doing what you need to do. Yes. Yeah, it really bothered me that you should feel gratitude for not even full access, but for having partial access to services. Oh, my goodness. And... And so I didn't, I mean, we couldn't get into a conversation because we had a very full agenda, but, and I didn't knock him because that's his opinion. And of course, <laughs> he, he's perfectly welcome to his own thoughts and feelings. Mm. But my own head just felt very disappointed that we're still in a time that you should feel grateful to be included. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, and it was just that's what you've just kind of made me think about when you're talking about yes. the hearts of people. Um, we should be making changes just so that the world actually works for the people in it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, <laughs> so, and, and 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 truly, just to add, um, policies are good. I love them, but the truth is, the problem is not about being being law, law lawful or bringing about policies alone men have to be intentional about accessibility there's something in man that just wants to rebel about a law for example if i walk into a room full of people and i said hey everyone do not look at my left hand what do you think will happen (laughs) all of a sudden even if you're never going to look at that just because i say do not (laughs) you know all of a sudden there's something in you that wants to see (laughs) so if there's something in man that just doesn't want to keep the law so it's beyond um, the law, really, really. It's a hard, you have to be intentional. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Um, I do believe intentions better than law. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of uh, legal people listening going, what, what? Um, and of course, you have to meet legislation. But the reality is to get it right, doesn't matter what country you're in, there's more than 40 legislations currently in the world that relate to disability inclusion and or accessibility. And yet, to get it right, we need to go above and beyond all of them is the truth of it. And it's not even always that difficult to achieve. And a lot of the inclusive behaviours and practices are actually easy to achieve. It's just about education and understanding what they look and feel like in real life. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly, Julia, very correct. So absolutely. So um, before I ask you a couple more questions, I just want to recap then. So... We've heard from Divine Gift directly, and certainly in Nigeria, assistive technology is available. And NVDA particularly is a free tool that people can download if they require a screen reader to support them. So bear that in mind. And accessibility can't happen unless there's legislation. Well, to be fair, I think even with some minor legislation in place, Divine Gift is really helping to shift a needle in Nigeria. So that kind of proves the point. And even at Be People Smart, like I say, we're always looking to go above and beyond legislation anyway. So we can do it, but we can't do it on our own. We do need people to actually care about people and to take those real steps. Very, very true. So Divine Gift, you've you shared actually quite a lot today and your story is quite fascinating. Even though I've heard it before, I've really enjoyed myself. Um what would you love people to take away from this episode to enable them to make improvements literally just make love a culture and not a duty start with your environment your your family 
your siblings practice love, all right, you'll find out that taking heed to legislations or paying attention to people's needs will become natural for you. So make love a culture and not just a duty. I really like that. I'm going to have to remember that quote when I promote the episode. (laughs) 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 And no doubt people are going to want to reach out to you. So how can they find you to connect and learn more about Divine Gift? Oh, basically LinkedIn. I'm there full time. I I think I'm taking it very seriously. Um, LinkedIn, Divine Gift, David Usman. That's D-I-V-I-N-E-G-I-F-T. David, then Usman, U-S-M-A-N. Wonderful. And I will share the link as well when the episode goes out so that people can definitely find you. Um, If you're connected to me, you'll also see that uh, we've got a mutual connection. So that should be easy enough. Um, This has been great. And I think it's always nice as well to speak to people Um, from other countries and to educate listeners around you know what is going on elsewhere and that there is passion and need for true inclusion and accessibility um, across the waters in all different directions so thank you so much for sharing your story and your views with us divine gift the pleasure is mine thank you for having me i wish you absolutely every success with your future goals Thank you very much. And of course, we are saying goodbye to the listeners for now, but you and I have got a coaching session soon. So (laughs) we'll we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, everyone. I hope you found that really helpful. Please do reach out, as we say. Um, We're always there. LinkedIn, contact me, contact Divine Gift. And until next time for more Myth Busting, take care. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Please rate us and leave us a review. We really want to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the amazing guest speakers we have lined up.